Early signing day is finally upon us. What is the drama going to be like? What three stars is Steven Brooks already sold on? And hey, we might even get some transfer stuff. Let's... You are Locked On Spartans. Your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white every single day. Now enough of me blabbing. We have dragged on once again for maybe, I don't know, what seems like the 60th time in his life, Stephen Brooks, because what better time to get him on the show than signing day eve? I'm sure he's having a very relaxing, not busy week whatsoever, but hey, he's carved out some time to talk with us. Stephen, how are we doing, man? We doing okay? It's been great. No, 60 is, is not nearly enough uh, appearances, so I'm happy to be here as always. <laughs> There we go. That is the spirit right now. So as we all know, Wednesday is early signing day, which might as well just be actual signing day. I'm going to make a petition to just call actual signing day last second signing day. I don't know. We'll workshop that name. That's not important right now. But what is the drama for Michigan State right now, Stephen? Because I feel like right now, uh, compared to a lot of other programs, we're kind of just chilling and not really stressed out at all this signing day. Is there any drama we have to look at for Wednesday or no? I don't think super dramatic. Uh, sorry for the noise there. I'm getting my little uh, cheat sheet here ready. So, look, I mean, as we record, we're looking at 13 commits. As yeah. most of you hear this, um, that number will be bigger. You know, As most of you hear. I, I don't know how soon, I guess, yeah. uh, this will be published. But that's going to go up um, over the course of today, Tuesday, and tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, if you follow this stuff, uh, I don't think there's going to be any, like, major surprises necessarily. I don't think. I don't think um, you know, it's, it is signing day. There's always some sort of uh, chicanery and shenanigans that can go yeah. on. But uh, if you follow this stuff, you know, some of the names that, that MSU has been involved with since the staff took over and, you know, the guys that they're in the mix for. So, you know, they're all still out there. And I, again, I think some of them probably could pop today into MSU's class uh, more, maybe tomorrow. Um, but when you look at it, so 13 commits now, you know, I, Will they get above 20 uh, in, in this early period, just high school kids? Probably not. Maybe close, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, probably just a tick under, but that's not uncharacteristic of, of this staff. Uh, let me try to find it here. The number of kids they signed at Oregon State was 24, 21, 20, 12, 19, and 20 in the 23 class. So smaller classes out there. Um and now uh, that's kind of just my inch deep research. I don't know exactly the reason yeah. behind it. You know, pre-portal days, you'd say, oh, they're really good at hanging on to people. They don't have a lot of attrition. Uh, they develop their guys. They want to stay in the program. That's a good sign. Maybe that's still the case. Uh, maybe it's something else. Maybe they loaded up with transfers, you know, one of those years, obviously, where they had like 12 signees. Um, I don't know the exact nuts and bolts reasons of it. But the, regardless, smaller classes, you weren't seeing them sign 30, 35 guys like you see some other programs. Um, so that's interesting to see whether that'll hold up here. Uh, geographically, you know, you're looking at uh, guys from the footprint that that this staff was already recruiting in, in, out west, California, Washington, um, off the continental U.S. and Hawaii, um, and then even down to Florida, like Andrew Brinson. So 
Uh, yeah, that's not really answering your question, I guess. I kind of got off on a tangent there, but no, I don't think fine. there'll be too much drama. I think the only thing maybe I can think of is, uh, like you we, you were mentioned to me, actually, is, is quarterback Tyler Cherry out of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be very split between Michigan State and Indiana. You know, the Hoosiers kind of have a little more juice right now with their new coaching staff as well. Uh, so maybe you could see him delay his decision, whether that's just a couple days into that, you know, because it is a sort of early starting period. Yeah, uh, they do have a couple days to get this all done, or whether he wants to push it all the way to February and, and really take more time to, to dive into this. I think that maybe is like the only sort of day of uh, drama decision uh, type situation. Otherwise, it should be a fairly smooth day, I want to say. Yeah, it's Tyler Cherry. And then the other thing I have written down for drama for today is just how fast Brady Pretzlaff will commit to Michigan State on Wednesday. Like he, He's going to have a ceremony at 3 p.m., is he going to put the hat on at 3.01? Is he going to drag it out until 5.30 p.m., kind of like Nick Marsh did over the summer? I, who's to say? But I, I think that's pretty locked tight that he's going to be committing to Michigan State as well. But, hey, I'll take no drama, man. We, we've had enough drama the last three or four months here in East Lansing. Like, if, if this yeah. is going to be a little bit of a breather, fine. I don't care. But here's where we stand right now, because when we all woke up on this beautiful Tuesday morning, Michigan State, depending on what site you're looking at, is in the 60s nationally. If they add in some commits, like we both expect, kind of around that 20 number, they could push their way up into the 40s. And I said on yesterday's show, look, I'm not going to pop champagne or get the parade all lined up on Grand River already. But Stephen, is like this is a pretty nice piece of work by Jonathan Smith, right? Considering that he took over with just weeks until signing day. When he took this job, there were only eight or nine commits for this class. Or am I just being a Michigan State slappy and saying that, like, hey, this is some pretty good work by Jonathan Smith and not a lot of time? I think it's a good job, and I think it can be a good class. Um, I have a hard time seeing it end up as great necessarily. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. You know, <laughs> could it compare to some of D'Antonio's early classes where it was like, eh, you know, this is all right. And then three or four years later, they were captains and all Big Ten guys and leading the program resurgence. Maybe. I mean, again, uh, get my little cheat sheet out here. Uh, the class rankings for at Oregon State for these guys, uh, first year was number 70, second year 49, 50, 87, 69, and 52. Um, 52 coming off a 10-win season, you know, out there. Oh, so that was – Yeah. I say that to say they, they, they took those classes and developed them, you know. So maybe that's a less important thing um, if they can still replicate that and, and develop guys and, and – um, make them better players here over the course of three and four years, the way they did at Oregon state. Uh, I think the most important thing that he's done is just is load up the class so far. Mm-hmm. And he's done the prudent, smart thing by tapping into connections that were already there. You know, we, we've all talked a lot about how he doesn't know this area in, in the Midwest and everything. So don't try to go get Midwest kids, go get the kids you already know that already have your number, yeah. already know your name and your story and your scheme, all those things. You know, I mean, most of these guys that they've added so far are Oregon state Oregon State commits or targets, at least, that they were aware of out there. Um, I guess uh, the quarterback, Alessio uh, Miljovic, uh, was was not. They definitely found him once they got here. Um, but the, the, by far the majority of guys that have and will be committing were on their radar out at Oregon State. And that's just a smart thing to do, right? When you only have a couple weeks, yeah. why wouldn't you tap into the connections you already have? You know, it might be tough. Like, yeah. You know, you're taking them from a spot that, uh, you know, you still know people at and, you know, whether you have emotional ties to Oregon State or whatever, but you got to do what you got to do. But I think that was the prudent thing to do. It was a smart thing to do. So they had to fill up, you know, I do think it's important that this class, 
you always want quality, uh, uh, of course, but quantity was going to be very important in this class too. As you said, with how decimated the numbers were through the Mel Tucker scandal and everything, how low it got, um, you can do a lot in the transfer portal, but you, you still just need to refill the ranks the traditional way uh, when you can. So I think there could, there's a chance, there's, there's more than a chance uh, some of these guys could turn into really good players. But I think the, the most important part is just checking a lot of boxes personnel-wise, body-wise. Like, all right, we're going to add two more running backs over here. We're going to add X amount yeah. of offensive linemen, this many DBs. And then, you know, just get your feet under you. But any quality you could get was great, but quantity was really going to be important. And I think they're on their way with that. Just hearing you say that makes me feel so much better because I, I've just been saying that in my own echo chamber over here. So the fact that someone with a highly regarded opinion like you is also saying that, that, hey, it was kind of about getting as close to 20 as you possibly can and not doing that just by throwing offers at, you know, Grand Valley State kids or Mac offers, which there have been a few of those, of course, you know, with uh, Clay over in Ohio and then Miljuvic however you say his name. God, I'm trying my best right there. But you do have some of those, but the bulk of them are coming from guys you already have connections with. So that, that's nice to hear that. It's not just yeah. me trying to talk myself into it. It's just the fact that I'm saying that. Because, again, the staff has a track record of developing them. Yeah. Uh, stars right. and rankings are wrong all the time. I'm not, I'm not saying sure. that. But I'm just saying the most important thing to me was numbers and depth versus, yeah. you know, if you could only give 10 really high-level players or 25 – decent to good players like I think for this class you probably want the latter um, as you rebuild this thing and you can tweak and adjust as you go forward and one thing Smith uh, was like very um, intentional about saying at his his first press conference uh, a couple weeks ago now was like don't forget the late signing period so you know he, okay. he kind of inserted that in himself when, when we were talking recruiting a couple of times so that'll be interesting to see how he chooses to use that and navigate that one. There we go. So Jonathan Smith staff is hard at work finding the diamonds in the rough. We're going to put Stephen Brooks here in the hot seat and see if he has a diamond in the rough amongst these three stars. But first, I'm going to give him a minute to think about that because we got to talk about FanDuel, gang, the leader in your lives when it comes to sports betting. Gang, as the weather gets colder and the season gets older, the NFL offers stay white hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. Don't even worry about the spreads. Don't worry about laying the points. Just find a team that you love for this weekend's menu of NFL games. Bet five bucks on them. And if that hits, just like I said, guys, 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it is clearly the best time to get in on all the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. Guess the correct score. Guess the first touchdown score of the game. Just have yourself a hoot and a half at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's drag him back on, and let's see what his answer is when we ask Stephen Brooks. Hey, there's a lot of three-stars in this class. There's a lot of hopeful diamonds in the rough, maybe some guys that are underranked. Stephen, which one of these kids do you have an eye on when it comes to the diamond in the rough status? I really like Andrew Brinson, um, the Tampa area guy. Uh, okay. Was committed to Oregon State, defensive back. Um, he's very physical, you know, which I love in a DB, you know, when you can yeah. tell that on tape, uh, you love that. Cause that's one of the first things I always want to see from a young DB when they get to college is like, are they scared to come up and hit somebody? Or even if they're not scared when they come up, can they actually hit somebody? Can they get somebody to the ground? Just that, that physicality component. Like if you have that man, so much else can be coached, but that, that mentality and that willingness to, to be, uh, 
in the fray um, as a smaller defensive, you know, not that he's small for his, but just as a smaller guy on the right. football field, as a defensive back, uh, I always love that. So he's a guy that I really think, um, I really think highly of. And, and it's, you know, I think Jalen Thompson too, he ended up dropping at least on the composite as a two or three star, you know, guys been mm-hmm. committed since last December um, has stuck with him the whole way. He's a guy that I think could have a nice future, but uh, Brinson's the one that stands out to me, especially amongst the new additions. They liked him at Florida state. I think, or I'm sorry, geez, at Oregon State, he's from Florida. I guess that's where I got my wires crossed there. Blue Adams has developed a couple nice uh, players, you know, as their DBs coach out there, obviously following him here to Michigan State. So he's a guy that uh, that I look at right now. And I think Wyatt Hook is another one that could turn into a nice tight end for them in a couple of years. Um, again, a nice track record of development at that position. And it's so important with what they do. But uh, Brinson's definitely number one, I think, right now for me. Speaking of the Sunshine State down there in Florida, Cameron Campbell, he was a one-time commit of Michigan State, decommitted a few weeks ago, but here he is. Again, we're going to be transparent right now. It's Tuesday at 1 p.m., and I have to shout that out because, like, things are changing hourly here. Can Hardy be committed by the time you listen to this, or he's going to make his decision soon? How? Like, how how did this get back in the fold here for Cameron Campbell? Was it a lack of offers from elsewhere? Was it just Blue Adams? Is that great of a recruiter already for Michigan State, or – is this a surprise? Because I'm a little surprised to see Cameron Campbell back in East Lansing for an official last weekend. Or is it really just making sense, you think? Yeah, that, this this is one of those fluid evolving situations where actually, to be honest, uh, to you and our listeners, like right now, I'm not sure that he is going to end up back in the class. Um, okay. From everything been, we've been hearing this morning uh, you know, and, and leading up to, to me sitting down here with you. So not mm-hmm. positive it's, that's actually going to happen. Um, maybe something to watch, uh, you know, uh, if he's still unsigned and, and is available back in February, maybe things could change and circle back there. Uh, yeah, as you said, he was committed to MSU. I don't know what other interest has been out there for him or what other visits he's taken since he decommitted. Um, I would hope that uh, when he made that decision, I guess that he had something sort of in his back pocket, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't think I've seen him on other visits, but that doesn't necessarily okay. mean anything. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see on that one because I, I don't think that that's uh, as much of a done deal as, as it looked like it was heading for. Um and, and with this staff. So uh, that's one to monitor, but not not a sure thing, I would say, at this point that he's going to end up in. There, there's another player I just want to ask about, and this could be such a stupid question because, again, by the time people listen to this, the, the story could already be done. But Kike Burnett, he's one of those guys over there in the Hawaiian Islands, three-star edge rusher. He did visit BYU and Michigan State right now. Now there's a good smattering of your fine colleagues at 24-7 Sports that had the crystal balls to Kike landing at Michigan State. Things still looking good there, or is that another like small piece of drama we can be waiting for as late as Wednesday or as early as literally right now when we're talking to each other? Old media Sheehan trying to stir up drama. You see this, folks? Do you folks hear this? Trying to to enrage the masses and (laughs) people rioting. Look at this guy. Watch out for those Mormons over there stealing our players. That's right. Yeah, just typical media behavior from this guy. Uh, I no, I don't. I don't think there'll be uh, any problem with him. I think um, okay. they did a good job with their official visit, and uh, that's you know, uh, as we look at the class, um, like I said, they sort of tapped into their roots in terms of what was already what what groundwork had already been done uh, yeah. in the twenty twenty four cycle. So that that's why you're going to see some kids from California, Washington, etc. Um, Hawaii, the, as to, over time, I don't think you'll see as much of that. You'll always see some, of course, because that's where these guys have the deepest roots. But yeah. I think it'll transition to more of a regional thing uh, the longer these guys are here. 
But the one thing I think, I think Kawhi might end up being sort of a constant, though. I mean, as as you know for sure, and I'm sure most listeners, but maybe not all, realize like the the very strong tradition Michigan State has in Hawaii and the, the relationships that they have out there, and just um, the, the tradition that some that some very good players have come through here. Um, so it's it's a Michigan State has a uh, advantage, not maybe advantages where they have an opportunity to recruit in Hawaii though that not a lot of like mainland power fives have because of that history, you know, people have come out, come out here from out there and and had a great time and still, you know, remain important figures in the program and everything. And that, that helps that word of mouth. Like if you're going to come all this way, you know, to come play college football and and great, you know, live on campus with great December days like this that we're enjoying right now, um, you kind of got to have some people vouching for you. Michigan state has that, you know, historically. So like I said, not everybody could do that. Iowa, you know, can't go out there. I don't think and recruit, guys the way Michigan State can because of their history. So that's one thing that I'm going to be curious to see. I do think they'll sign some Hawaiians this class. I'll be curious to see how much they're able to continue uh, that pipeline and and continue focusing on guys out there because there's always a a good handful of good players out there worth your time to to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially like the foundational linemen where, you know, you really start finding their mold two, three years in a system. But, yeah, I am just amazed. Obviously, it makes sense this year because they were committed to Oregon State, both those guys. But it, it just amazes me when MSU lands someone from the Pacific Islands like that. So, like, I, I've, I've lived here almost every day of my entire life, and I still almost cry when I step outside my front door in December. Like, I can't imagine – Growing up in a tropical climate, you get off a what nine-hour flight over here, and what, right. what's that white stuff on the ground? Like, oh, why does the air hurt right now? Like, uh, but hey, you know what? That's I guess speaks to good recruiting. Um, what other media tricks can I have up my sleeve? Do you want to talk about Urban Meyer potentially being one of the last two assistant coaches on the staff, or do you want me to ask you a real question? What, what do you want me to do here? Let's go. Let's 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 not do that. Yeah, let's do okay. that. A real question? Fine, whatever. Um, all right, so there were three transfers that were added into this class, we'll call it, for example, on Monday. It was Jordan Turner, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. It was TJ Sheffield, the wide receiver out of Purdue. And then Jack Velling, the tight end out of Oregon State. Point blank period, Stephen. Which of those three players is going to have the biggest immediate impact next year for Michigan State, in your opinion? Oh, that's a, It's Jack Velling, easily. That easy? Okay. okay. Easily, yeah. This yeah. guy uh, had eight touchdowns last year um, on like twenty nine catches. I want to say like around uh, thirty catches. If, if that, right? If that, yeah. <laughs> uh, right? You watch their highlights. He's. It feels like he's scoring a touchdown like every game. It feels like he's like yeah. wide open over the seam on like a play action pass for like 20, 30 yards every time, right. every game. Uh, when you turn on some of these highlights, he's a three down tight end. Which the last time you could say that at Michigan State, a productive one. At least I should say a, a good solid productive three down tight end. And, and that's a really important position in their system mm-hmm. and what they do um, with their run game, getting getting out on wide zones, the play action game, like I just said, all just critical, critical components. Like the, the standard of tight end play that we've been seeing here the last couple of years will not fly under this staff. Not that the old staff was necessarily allowing it, but uh, it just, it literally can't happen now. Cause like, it's so important to what these guys do offensively, Brian Lindgren and, and Jonathan Smith um, with the physicality, it'll be a non-negotiable. Like you have to be an adequate blocker out there. And Jack Fallon's a three down guy. They featured him. Uh, he was able to, you know, he was, their receivers were really good too. So it's not like he was the only guy, but like people, he was a known commodity and people just couldn't stop him um, when they're, you know, when you're, you're so sucked up trying to find, trying to stop their run game. And 
he's leaking out the back. They're really creative with the way they scheme him open and everything, but he's going to walk right in and know the scheme and know that he's going to be a featured weapon. Uh, I thought it was going to be hard for somebody to, I think Washington was the other contender for yeah. him. I thought it was going to be hard for anybody to, uh, if it was me at least, to, to, to win over his commitment because it's like, I know this staff's going to feature me. I know they're going to throw me the ball. I already know the plays. You know, there's no adjustment period. It's just going to be turnkey, boom, eight more touchdowns. You know, something like something yeah. to that effect. I'm not guaranteeing that. But he's in such an important position, and he's a proven, productive player, and you don't have to take him off the field. So it's him by far, although I do like the other guys as well. There we go. I'm going to ask you about other transfers, like guys we should be keeping our names on. But first, Stephen, I hate to do this to you again. I got to send you to the bench because I need to talk to people's ears off about LinkedIn jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. So that's why you got to go check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster. And my favorite part for free. It is so easy to add your job to LinkedIn. Guys, e even a schmuck like me can do it. So if I can do it with ease, I know full well you can do it as well. So when you do it, add that purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. And hiring is easier when you have more than a billion professionals to pick from. And that's what LinkedIn Jobs has. They are not your ordinary job searching site. No, no, no. They crank it up. It's so easy that actually, guys, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting their job. The process is intuitive. It's quick. It's easy. So what are you waiting for? Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions. You got that right. They apply. All right, let's drag him back on here. Steven Brooks of 24-7 Sports. So kind with his time, his knowledge, and quite a busy time of the year for people in the recruiting world. And I guess not just recruiting, but transfers. I mean, I, I guess it's different, but it's really the same. I, who cares? Whatever. I'll just get into my question here. What other uh, transfers should we be keeping an eye on? Because two names that I've dropped, uh, Holy Cross, uh, for uh, not former linebacker. <laughs> Am I having a stroke right now? Holy Cross lineman, former FCS All-American. There we go. Nailed it. My God, Luke Newman. He has some Michigan ties. Some may even say uh, his family grew up as Michigan State fans, so that might be one. And then also another guy from the state of Michigan who's played at Purdue and UCLA, another offensive lineman, Spencer Holstedge. Those are just two names I've thrown out for like, hey, keep your eye on these guys. Do you have anyone else, like whether they have visited Michigan State or have not visited Michigan State, anyone else that can uh, really get attention here? Yeah, those are two good names for sure, uh, especially the O lineman from UCLA. Uh, I haven't actually, I haven't actually seen uh, like many cutups of him or anything, but I know he started a ton of games. Mm -hmm. So like just on paper, that's a profile that like Michigan State could use desperately. Um, like like you know, several several double digit game starter. Um, you know, I don't really care about anything else. Measurables, position, you know, position. Just just bring him in. Just you know, you, you bodies, can't right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Another one, though, is uh, that I would think uh, to keep an eye on is a guy named Josh Preby. Um, if you've been following this for a while, uh, from Edwardsburg, uh, I think I have that right, down in southwest Michigan, almost Indiana, yeah. um, uh, from Northwestern. Uh, signed over there, played over there, started over there for, for at least a year, maybe a couple years. I really loved him coming out of high school, and, and he actually liked Michigan State quite a bit. Um, he, it was a very smaller school, you know, smaller high school level down there, so you didn't know for sure how it would translate, but he had really good high school tape and has ended up being a good Big Ten player. Uh, very close to coming here. Uh, probably would have come here, but the uh, the reshuffling of D'Antonio's staff 
when Mark Staten was no longer his position coach, and he was the guy who like first found him and really built that relationship with MSU. Once he switched to coaching tight ends, um, that's when he started to sort of look elsewhere, and that opened the door, and, and boom, he ends up at Northwestern. So uh, he's a guy that uh, I believe has been around on a visit already, and uh, I think would be a good pickup. Um, and then elsewhere, I think that's still going to be uh, an evolving situation because there's, st- I think there could still be some more Oregon State guys that that pop in and, and maybe would okay. be coming over here. Um, if it's me, I'm not necessarily suggesting anything here, but I mean, uh, I would I would like to see you know maybe some receivers or DBs come in because they're they're two receivers that, that were like 700 yard guys. They're both five eight, which is interesting. Like they, they had some really small receivers doing a lot of damage out there for them. If you guys don't right. watch them, but, uh, either one of those guys, you know, or both, you know, if they wanted to come over, you would take them, of course. Uh, and you know, if you could find a starting level DB, uh, you know, to increase the competition there, you know, MSU's held on to to a lot of their good young talent there, but. You can never have enough of that either. So I think, uh, in you know, after bowl season, uh, it will continue to see more of that, and I think that'll be bigger emphasis. The portal guys um, moving into into you know January and, and heading into that second signing period. Let, let me put you on the spot with this question because there's obviously a handful of Michigan State spars that are in the portal. Anyone that you think has an okay shot of coming back, like guys like Malik Carr, I I, I don't think that car is ever going to turn around and head back to East Lansing. Yeah. <laughs> that was no 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 pun intended, by the way. I, that was oh no, of course. <laughs> no, it, it, I it truthfully wasn't, but I'm ashamed of myself for even saying that. But like I mean, guys like Brantley or Jacoby Winman, like do you think that there's a shot of either of them coming back? Or I, I don't know. It's just it's it's hard to get a beat on some of these guys sometimes. Derek Harmon, my man, you know, I've been his pseudo agent since high school. Yes, Come you on, have. Uh, you were an OG Derek Harmon supporter, man. You. you were on him before Ohio State, before Auburn, before Oregon. Oh, yeah, Thank that's you. right. Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance with him. I, I think okay. I think it's – yeah, there, I know there's a chance with him, I should say. I think it's kind of a MSU-OSU situation. Um, okay. I don't know what he heard or, you know, saw out of, out of Oregon or maybe how that felt, but I just – when it really comes down to it, I have a hard time seeing him go that far from home. Um, I have heard consistently that that development and winning are his top priorities. So, sure. Where did that you know where does that fit? It's not. I've heard consistently it's not just about running up the check and getting the highest you know payday that he can. Uh, heard that he really does care about about winning opportunity and potential. Still, yeah. you know, MSU can probably do some things for him, um, and there's a comfort level here. So I think there's a chance with him. Uh, I think there's a chance with Jacoby too. Um, I don't. I haven't heard so much specifically on him. I, I have heard Harmon is a, is a true sort of uh, maybe, and he's he's looking at things. But Winman, I haven't heard anything on. But I just think the timing. Uh, you know, he didn't go in right away, and he was he right. was out for like nine games or whatever. Like he had plenty of time to think about this and figure out if he wanted to do it. Um, he didn't go in right away. It makes me think that maybe he's just sort of testing the waters, dipping a toe in to see what's out there. And I'm sure he'll have suitors. When you're a guy like that. And you can watch, you know, a 60-second cut-up and say, man, look how he gets to the quarterback. Now, you watch a 60-minute cut-up, you know, are you still going to want him as bad? That's that's a different discussion. But he'll have suitors uh, and, you know, people want to pay for, you know, well, pay, but people want to recruit a guy like that who can, sure. who can do those things. I just think the timing where he didn't jump in right away, it's like, yeah, I'm out of here. I think that suggests that he would be open to returning. And then just personally, again, I haven't heard this, but personally I think he would be a really good fit and Joe Rossi's defense. So I think he yeah. should probably come back. Um, now, you know, I'm not in his head. I don't know what all his priorities are, but I think football wise, he'd be, it would make, he'd be making a really good decision to come back and play in this system. 
Uh, that's a hard agree just because, you know, sometimes they have the stand-up linebacker playing that edge in, you know, mm-hmm. certain situations, not even certain situations, many situations under Rossi. So, but yeah, again, I mean, it's, it's a different landscape. It's actually refreshing to hear that Derek Harmon just, you know, wants to focus on winning and development and not like an NIL check. And I'm not saying that every single kid is like that, but it's definitely a factor in a lot of these decisions for a good reason. I'm, I'd probably be doing the same, quite honestly, if I was a college kid, if I was in a certain situation financially. But yeah, it's it's just weird. It's just strange. It's just, but hey, these are the times. These are the times. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Like you've been at Michigan yeah. State, you've been getting your head smashed against a wall by Ohio State, and now uh, they yeah. want you. Like that team that's been, you know, putting your head in the toilet, and giving you the swirly for three years. That <laughs> team wants you now. Like that's got to be pretty powerful. And I actually heard when he was on yeah. his visit. Uh, down there, a lot of, you know, a lot of Ohio State dudes came up to him and just, you know, sort of showed him some respect, like, hey, man, you're a player, you know, we, we gotcha. respect you down here, uh, you could play with us type of thing. And like, consider what how powerful that has to be as a recruiting pitch like that, that, uh, you know, if, if he ends up there, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting anything, but like, you could understand why he would want to do that. But I think there's yeah. some, there's some things MSU has going for it with him too, in terms of just the comfort level, of course, but like they, yeah. they need him probably more than any of these teams. Um, and they and they can definitely take care of him financially, um, but they, they need him. Whereas Ohio State, I don't know if they need him the same way and whether sure. they have the same opportunities uh, snap count wise and things like that. But, you know, development and winning. So he's got to figure all that out. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, Stephen, this has been a lovely chat. As always, great chatting with, with you again, my man. Anything you want to plug here? I, I don't know. Are you guys writing any stories in the next few days by any chance? Or are you guys <laughs> taking the rest of the week off? What, what's, what's it looking like over there? There might be. Yeah, there might be a couple popping up on SpartanTailgate.com. Okay. Um, probably a sale popping up on there as well. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Just just keep coming to us for your signing day coverage and recruiting coverage and, and, and beyond, though. I mean, like basketball football commentary analysis football spring balls coming up you know sign up now you're gonna be in there for the whole first first year of jonathan smith um the rest of basketball season wherever that takes us it's been a ride already uh wherever that wherever that train leaves us by the end of the year and then yeah then we'll be full bore into summer recruiting and and building this first sort of real class for smith and then it'll be training camp in the season and on and on and on so it's there's a whole lot more. It's not just recruiting stuff uh, that we yeah. have there. So um, it's not just football, you know. So just come check us out and, and let us be your resource, I guess, for, for signing day and beyond. And if not for nothing else, again, it is Tuesday at about 1 p.m.-ish. These are happy times. Any slanting, even for basketball with the last few days. So, again, I have to timestamp that because things change quite quickly here. But, uh, yeah, for now. We need to read and listen about happy things, Stephen. So, uh, hey, this was a great chat, my man. Really do appreciate you. Gang, you already know we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to recap all the signing day. We're going to be chatting about any other news that pops up. And then at the end of the week, well, we're going to give you so much recruiting stuff that you're going to be sick to your stomach because Brian Smith, our lockdown recruiting expert, he's going to join the show to end the week as well. But until then, hey, take care of yourselves. Love you all. Go Green.